गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय श्री भक्ति विनोद परिवार की जय गौनंद की जय श्री श्री कृष्ण बलराम की जय श्री श्री राधा गोविंद की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रेम program begins with a short uh, discussion about uh, significance of Sri Guru in the last so many years almost since we've been here at Audarya we've been discussing one of the verses of Sri Vishnu Chakravartakur Sa Gurvastakam his astakam or eight prayers in praise of the guru it's quite famous throughout the Gaudiya landscape, widely known and um, sung. And so, astakam means eight, so there are eight verses, but as is typical in the, these prayers, there's, a, there's, a, there's an extra verse that uh, talks about the fruit, the result of uh, chanting the astakam. So, we've come to that verse. I suppose it's worth uh, speaking on a, a little bit. Um, it's the afterthought, or again, it uh, seeks to impress upon us the the value of chanting the uh, the Gurubastakam. So I'll say a little bit about that, and then there'll be uh, the Guru Puja and Artik and Apashad. And of course tomorrow is the Gor Purnima, the, the, the Purni, the full moon that corresponds with the appearance of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's said to be the fullest moon in the last 20 years. Maybe you read about it. So, <laughs> that's nice. Uh, Gor Chandra Ki Jai. So then it'll be tomorrow, and typically then we fast tomorrow till the moonrise. And there'll be observance. Uh, there'll be a sacred bath of the deities, Abhishekam and uh, Kirtan and so forth, Arati. More discussion, discussion in the morning. At what time? 9.30. 9.30 in the morning. And in the afternoon, what time? Four o'clock. No, sorry. Abhishek, four o'clock. Then. Abhishek at class. four o'clock, then class after that, and then Arati and Mahapushad. So that's our schedule. You're welcome to stay longer afterwards, as long as you like. <clears throat> so, with regard to Gurvastakam, as I mentioned, it's uh, composed by Vishnu Chakrati Thakur. So we haven't said much, if anything, about him while discussing all of his prayers over these years. So today we come to the prayer that speaks about the power of his prayers, his own um, encouragement to us, so to speak, to to chant them. So perhaps we should say a few words about Vishwanachakuri Thakur. He's a very famous Gaudiacharya. He's probably the the last of what might be considered the a universally within the world of Gaudiya Vaishnavism accepted a charge of whatever he writes or has written is accepted by everyone as as conclusive. <clears throat> we have in the form of the uh, the, uh, the famous Vrindavan Goswamis, the six Goswamis. Our Shastra gurus, Rup, Sanatan, Goswamis in particular, were empowered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to write uh, about and thereby largely establish really what is the Gaudiya Sampradaya. Sanatan Goswami is like the architect of the Sampradaya, giving his Hari Bhakti Vilas with all the procedures and uh, Mantras and and uh, so on, the behavior and the, and the mode of dress and so on and so forth. 
um, <clears throat> and some the Sambandha in his Brihat uh, Bhagavatamrita, where we are and where we're going and so forth, and and of course Rupa Goswami, we've been discussing in the evenings now um, by way of discussing verses uh, a, a verse from Bhagavatam about Baba Bhakti, um, Rupa Goswami's contribution, which is a primary comp- contribution to Bhakti Rasamrita to Sindhu, so. Uh, this is the seminal book on on the way. So from Sanatana we get the much of the Sambandha and, and the conceptual orientation from Rupa Goswami the 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 way or the the action that follows that kind of conceptual orientation. And again there's the goal of course, Prem Prayojan we find in the writings of Raghunathas Goswami some some uh, deep insight into the Prayojan Tattva. So, then amongst them as well, of course, we have uh, Gopal Bhatta Goswami, Raghunath Bhatta Goswami, and Shijiva Goswami, perhaps the youngest of the six Goswamis. Gopal Bhatta Goswami was also uh, helped to compile Haribhakti Vilas, and um, <coughs> Raghunath Bhattu Goswami should not be minimized at all, although his literary contribution is um, I don't think he had a literary contribution. <laughs> uh, he uh, very much uh, was uh, expert in reciting poetically the Srimad Bhagavatam for the pleasure of the, uh, his elders, Rup Sanatan, and so forth. Uh, in his own circle within Vrindavan, he's considered to be a type of avatar of Srimad Bhagavatam itself. So at any rate, these six Goswamis, of course, Jiva Goswami wrote um, considerably. These are our, sometimes referred to as our Shastra Gurus. In other words, they've and Lokanam Hitakarino Tri Bhuvane Manyosharanyakaro. They wrote extensively Nana Shastravicharinak. They took extensively from the entire body of sacred texts. And drawing from them in a way that's almost incomprehensible if you study it, the, the measure of their uh, knowledge, the extent of their knowledge of the sacred text, not only, um, I mean to say, knowing them uh, and being able to repeat them, but their insight into the significance of them, how they drew from them the conclusions uh, of bhakti, uh, it's a, a very extraordinary, and so much so that we in Gaudiya Sampradaya we sometimes refer to their texts as the bhakti shastras. There are shastras about bhakti, like the Bhagavatam, the Gopal Tapani Upanishad, and so forth. Uh, we would look at the Gita in that way, of course, as well. But um, there. Uh, uh, Books have taken the uh, kind of distilled essence of bhakti found throughout, and um, they are veritable bhakti shastras themselves. So we refer to them sometimes as our shastra gurus. They have given, in other words, the shastra, the, the scripture for Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It may not be accepted by everybody, in other words, in other sects. Their scriptures, our scriptures, the, the, the our shastras, bhakti shastras may not be accepted as authoritative, as by, by other sects, but they should be studied carefully to see how they have been drawn from the entirety of texts, the larger body of texts that are universally accepted. Texts, as I mentioned, like Srimad Bhagavatam, like Gopal Tapanupanishad, and other texts, numerable, numerable texts. Um, 
and uh, if the other such sects would do so, I think they would appreciate uh, to a greater extent and have uh, the kind of appreciation, not that they don't, but greater. In fact, they do, I should say, <laughs> without perhaps admitting it uh, often, uh, due to sectarian concerns. If you go to Vrindavan and you want to hear a lecture on the Bhagavatam, there will be persons who are famous and were well known for their recitals of Bhagavatam and so forth. It doesn't matter what uh, sect or what sampradaya they hail from, what lineage, they will be reciting the commentaries of, 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 of Jiva Goswami and Bhagavatam, of Sanatana Goswami. They will be referencing them. And Jiva Goswami, as I say, Jiva Goswami, Jiva Goswami, Sanatana Goswami. Um, and as well, this point I'm getting to, Vishwanath Chakravitaku, who came in the 17th century, whereas the Goswamis, the six Goswamis, they appeared, what, in the 15th century, 15th, 15th, 16th century. So he came quite a bit later, but he has been, Vishwanath Chakravitaku, kind of categorized along with the six Goswamis, in this sense, as a Shastra Guru. So in Gaudiya Sampradaya, his, whatever he writes, if you cite that, you've cited the conclusion, the Siddhanta. So a very important uh, person in, in Gaudiya Sampradaya, and um, he uh, lived for a long time in in Vrindavan. He completed all of his studies there as a young young um, young man. And uh, this is uh, he wrote many, many books. Some people consider him like a second Rupa Goswami, just to, again another way of tying him to the original six Goswamis. Rupa Goswami, for example, wrote Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and Vishnu Chakravita wrote Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu Bindu. Sindhu means ocean, Bindu means drop. So he kind of reiterated the essence of the ocean in a drop. That's quite a, a, an accomplishment. It's like if you want to take a whole company and put it into a logo, your graphic designers in the audience will appreciate that's going to cost something. <laughs> that's going to take some work to symbolically represent the whole company. So to take the ocean of Bhakti Rasa and put it in a bindu, <laughs> in a drop. Brihad Bhagavatamrita Khan, he wrote, which is like a particle of the, of the Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Sanatana Goswami's work. What is the other one? Uh, there were three. Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Anyway, um, um, he was very faithful to the Goswamis, and uh, of course he wrote full commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam. He actually wrote a commentary on Chaitanya Charitamrita, um, which came from Krishna's Kabiraj Goswami, and many, many, many books. Hmm? Commentary on Bhagavad Gita. So this is one of his prayers, this Guruvastakam, um, and the Falstuti, the final verse which talks about the fruit, it's a simple statement but it has significant uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of meaning to it worth, uh, worth going over in some, some detail he says what? there he says Srimad Guru Rastakam Etad Uchai Srimad Guru Rastakam. So this is, he said, my Guru Rastakam, my Astakam, my eight prayers to the Guru. Srimad Guru Rastakam Etad Uchai. Uchai means to, to, to chant loudly. So he, he says basically that this Guru Rastakam should be chanted loudly. Um, that it might be heard far and wide. And of course, hopefully loud enough that we'll hear it ourselves <laughs> in the busyness uh, the, the, the music of our, our minds will be arrested by the, uh, the power of, of the song and uh, to that uh, in pursuit of that he, he outlines a time when it will best be chanted hmm? he says Srimad Guru Rastakometa Duchai Brahme Mohurte Potati Brahma Muhurta. The Brahma Muhurta means the, the Muhurt. It is a Muhurt is a measure of time in um, ancient uh, India. 
or at least it was prevalent as much as four or five hundred years back. Uh, it comes from ancient texts themselves. A measure of time, there's an emisha, there's a blink of an eye, and 30 blinks of an eye make a call, and 30 calls make a muhurta, and 30 muhurtas make a day. Hmm? So, if you take 24 hours and divide it by 30, what do you get? Uh, no. <laughs> 48. And so, a muhurtas, by modern standards of measurement, 48 minutes. Which do you like better, the 48 minutes or the nimisha call? And it's a nice way of talking about <laughs> um, these ancient ways of describing and so forth. They may lack some of the modern precision, but they may have other advantages to them. Hmm? So traditional ways we may call them of looking at things, of counting, of measuring, and describing, and so on and so forth. It tends to be a little more poetic, and as I've said, Poetry is a type of descriptive language, I suppose, but it's a type of descriptive language that kind of describes the idea that things are bigger than they seem, that that, uh, that things can't be contained. One thing merges into another, and there's this, it lends to a description of the connectedness of things and, and so forth, compared to, as I've done before, Math, which is also a descriptive language that lends to more controlling things. Hmm? Poetry tends to speak about things, nature, in such a way as to say it, it can't be controlled. It's, uh, so that is a more accurate way we would like to think about how to speak uh, about the nature of being, the nature of things, about the nature of nature and so forth. So a nimisha, a call, 30 nimishas, 30 calls, Mm. One muhurta, and there are, so there are thirty muhurtas. This is the Brahma muhurta. Brahma, of course, means Brahman, spirit, the, the spiritual muhurta. So Vishwanachakvati Thakur said this should be sung during the spiritual muhurta. When is that? That's about uh, well, it's uh, uh, about what forty-five minutes before sunrise for 48 minutes or 30 calls, something like that. Is it... Uh, uh, so, this is an auspicious time. This is the the, the, the the spiritual time, if you will. Any time, of course, that you engage in spiritual life makes that time a spiritual time. But there are times, apparently, that are more spiritual than others regardless of what you do. Hmm? You could be sleeping during the Brahma Muhurta, but Vishnath is saying, and, it, and that would be a good time to stay awake, but that would be a spiritual time, point being, even if you were sleeping. Mm. Other times can be made spiritual by what we do with them. Mm. So there's time is often thought of as, as, as a quantity, but here we're speaking about a quality of time. Mm. Actually, Indian... Literature tends to spend more more time on the quality of time than uh, than speaking about it in terms of uh, quantity and measurement and so forth. And just the way they go about recording history, for example, illustrates this point. It's not so much a chronological uh, accounting of time as it is a remembrance of times that are significant, as it used to be, at least in Indian history, in history, from a spiritual point of view. Hmm? So, Brahma Muhurta, the idea of a spiritual time. What can we say about it? Some things are like this. Um, well, we may hear and with faith accept. Um, there are some practical ways, I suppose, we could talk about it, why it's a spiritual time. Um, and that basically has to do with the fact that most people are asleep and the day... Of hasn't started the, the jagrati, the, the, the waking uh, life, and um, uh, uh, sleep and deep sleep, for that matter, is sometimes uh, compared to the spiritual. When deep sleep occurs, usually at that time we're pretty deeply asleep. Then um, dream isn't 
active, and the waking state is inactive. So, but you are still there, experiencing the statement of of Bhagavatam. Is uh, the idea of Bhagavatam is that well, when you wake up from a deep sleep, and you say, "Oh, I slept well," you are remembering something, and you cannot remember something that you didn't experience. The implication is that you were in deep sleep, the mind was not functioning, which would project dreams and so forth. The waking state has been laid to rest, but you are still experiencing a contentless experience. You remembered and it was restful. This is a kind of a logic of experience that Vedantins like to invoke. How well it works for everyone, I'm not sure, but if you think about it deeply, it, 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 it is um, insightful. Vedantins like to draw their um, analysis of life and the nature of being from experience. So their experience is that although the, the mental uh, and the physical dimensions of myself, my psychic and physical dimensions, weren't functioning for all intents and purposes, I was not, as a conscious being, conscious of them. I was nonetheless existing. And it was peaceful. When the mind is shut off and the senses are withdrawn from the sense objects, it's restful. It's peaceful. These are driving us mad. The oppression of the mind and the senses dragging us here, there, and everywhere in relation to sense objects. And this is the, the uh, what do they call it, the wheel, samsara, the, the guy in the cage goes around and around. Um, so, there's a, in other words, there's, a, there's life and it's peaceful beyond the mind, beyond the call of the senses. That's the beginning understanding of that life. It's restful. It has some something positive to it indirectly in that it's the end of the trouble um, brought about by the oppression of the mind and the senses. So there's some, the idea, some experience to the, fa- to the idea, to the theory. The theory is backed up by some experience that, that I exist, that I exist independent of the physical and psychic dimension and the sense of self derived from identifying with the psychic and uh, physical dimension of life. Hmm? There's another I. Hmm? And uh, so, so during deep sleep then, this may be the time when people are most asleep. I, I don't know, I'm not an expert on that and I'm usually up at that time, but uh, I know the new devotees like to sleep pretty, pretty well at that time. I did too. So um, it's a time, again, as I say, where the waking world has not started to happen yet. People haven't woken up, uh, and so it's quiet. It's peaceful, hmm? and um, uh, we are more unto ourselves, so to speak. What will we do? Hmm? You can't do much. Um, the stores haven't opened. People haven't woken up yet. So on and so forth. It's still dark. You can't see the external world. So if you're up at the time, you know, there's a tendency then, or it's a conducive, I should say, to look within. Hmm? And, um, and think about the implications of I slept well, for example. So um, this is the time then that is most auspicious for spiritual activity. Therefore, it's referred to as the Brahma Murta. Hmm? Time spent in spiritual activity, in hearing, in chanting, in meditation, in contemplation of the self, and so forth, is well spent at this time. So Vishnu Chakvitakur has said, this should be chanted loudly at this time, when everybody's asleep, hmm? so that others will wake up, perhaps, or that, uh, <laughs> or, or it, it, that... Uh, it, that you will pay attention, and he says that the fruit of, of of this chanting early in the morning will be derived from playing, paying close attention to the meaning. So he's hoping or projecting that if you chant at this time, hmm, the Brahma Muhurta, this Astakam, 
loudly. There's not a lot else going on, so maybe you'll pay attention by the force of the muhurta as well and the power of the astakam. So, brahmi muhurte pratati prayatnat. So, he said, very carefully, you'll listen to this, read read this, or pay attention, pay, pay very close attention to this. So, which we should... Uh, of course, there's benefit from kirtan even if we don't pay attention. That is its power, but um, that should bring about paying attention in due course. And so he, he wants to tell us that, that when we get to the point when we're paying close attention to this and our mind isn't on something else, and there we are in the Brahma Muhurta, this is the time when the, the Mangalarati is performed. Mangala means auspicious. Aratri means end of the night. Ratri means night. So Aratri, at the close of the night. This close of the night idea, this goes with the Brahma Muhurta idea. It's very um, beautiful. There are a number of songs like this we find from our Gaudiacharyas, like Thakur Bhakti Vinod, Jeev Jagu, Jeev Jagu, Go Chandra Bole, Kotanita Maya Pisa Or he says, Biba Hari Shesha Aloka Pravesha, Idra Chadi Uttajiva. It talks about waking up, these prayers talk about waking up in the morning and chanting the names of God. Hmm? But in a larger sense, uh, just as going to sleep at night and waking up, as I've explained, is on a microcosmic level analogous to the macrocosmic idea of Vishnu waking and expanding the world and going to sleep and it all goes into a dormant condition. The world, when he wakes... uh, and exhales, comes into being, and there's an interaction between the jivas and the world, and they become involved in karmic implications and so forth. And with a with a sigh, he goes back to bed and wraps the whole thing up. Hmm? It all comes back within him and, and rests. So this macrocosmic idea that the world is the breathing of Vishnu, the dream of Vishnu, hmm? um, this Vishnu is, is largely depicted in this yoga nidra. He wakes, he goes to sleep. And, uh, there's not a lot of very close interaction between the jivas and him, even though he's their source. As avatars, he comes in the world to try to get their attention and help them to meet uh, their, their, their maker. Hmm? But this uh, poetic kind of uh, description of the world, the breathing of Vishnu, the dream of Vishnu, yoga nidram, this uh, sleeping uh, yoga. It implies a number of things. One of the things it implies is that is that the world comes and goes in a circle, in cycles. It comes and goes, but the cycles have no beginning, just like the breathing of God has no beginning. The life of God has no beginning. So this is one of the life cycles of one of the forms of God, so to speak, in Mahavishnu. If you study this Vishnu carefully, this idea of Mahavishnu, there's the potential of the jivas, there's the potential of the world, the jiv shakti, the maya shakti. It's a very interesting idea. Hmm? The one, in other words, it said, becomes many. He, he wants to become many out of joy. He wants to celebrate his own joy. So, you know, you invite some people to the party. Hmm? So the one becomes many. So the potential for the jiva, hmm? our existence, lies in him. Hmm? And so with the maya shakti, it is within him in potential. Things that have a potential, you can tend to think of them as being cyclic, like the tree has, the seed has the potential of the tree. And so the tree comes out of the seed and then this tree drops seeds and the trees go back into the seed. The tree goes back into the seed and so forth. So there's this, so there's this cyclic idea of time. Hmm. Beyond that, as I mentioned the other night, we come to the real linear form of time, rectilinear form of time in the Paravyom, beyond the realm that is the jurisdiction of, of the Vishnu. In the words, here it seems like, or we're led to believe sometimes, things are just getting better at every moment. There's an eternal progress. Hmm? 
in Christianity, the idea is time started at a certain point, it's getting, I don't know, better or worse, but anyway, it, 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 it ends at a certain time. There are different conceptions of time, but uh, the Vedic conception is the, cyc- the cyclical idea of time in relation to the world and the jurisdiction of Vishnu and so forth. But there's a possibility as a result of the world and the joy of Vishnu that it constitutes of the jivas coming out of the world, although they're beginning and it has no beginning, any more than Vishnu's breath has beginning. Therefore, anadi karma, anadi karma pale, babanar navodjale. Bhaktivinoda says, oh, for a long time, Anadi, since time without beginning, I've been drowning in the ocean of karma. But there can be an end to that. Hmm? End of that means to go to the Paravyam, the spiritual sky. And there, there's actually, every moment, everything is getting better. <laughs> the Leela goes in a circle, but, it, but it, the frame is full, but always increasing at every moment. Hmm? So if you, after that ideal of the things are getting better at every moment, <laughs> this is the place to go. This is the, the dimension to go. This is the realm to pursue. Hmm? Start early in the Brahma Muhurta. Hmm? So when we talks about this Brahma Muhurta, what's being talked about in the larger sense in these kind of songs that speak about rise early, engage in spiritual activity and so forth, what's being talked about in a larger sense is that now, why are we singing this Guru Astakam? Why are, we, why are we singing it? Because we have met our guru. That's an auspicious time. What is that time then in our material sojourn that has no beginning? It has no beginning, but it has an end. What is the beginning of the end? That is when we, the meeting of our guru Dave. That is the beginning of the end of our material life. How auspicious is that? And how short, then, is the distance to traverse from that point hmm, to the Paravyom in comparison to the distance that we've traveled thus far that has no beginning? This will make you cry just to think about it, if you understand what has happened to us. We have human life. Hmm? That is extraordinary. Is the time, as I said, when before when nature wakes up to the fact it has a self, it has a soul, that there's a part of nature that's called consciousness. It's there all the time, but that conscious part, the jeev, hmm, that's m- making the thing go round, daryate hmm, jagat, Krishna says, jiva bhuta mahabaho yayate daryate jagat. It's really sustaining the thing. Consciousness is making it worth worth living. It, it is the life. It makes matter meaningful. When consciousness lends itself to matter, it takes on a life. As I said the other night, we like things because we're in them and they're ours. To whatever extent they're ours or we have identified with them by extending ourselves, which consciousness has the power to do, into things, we like those things. We like our house much more than somebody else's house because we're in it. Or our clothes or our car or our family because we've invested ourselves into those things. So what's valuable about the things is ourself or the consciousness. This is, so this should be traced out, hmm? is the idea. And this opportunity to do so comes with human life. I mean, in science, they think, well, consciousness is relative to, largely, they think, to human society. Conscious means I'm conscious of myself. And... Uh, more so than just perceptions of pain and pleasure and so forth. The I idea. Hmm? The I idea. I wanted to write a book, Yoga and I. Hmm? Yoga, of course, is a four-letter word, but it, especially in some circles, religious ones even, <laughs> but it's uh, it's meant to, in one sense, do away with this one-letter word, I, at least the I that's derived from the two-letter word, my, a false I. Hmm? So human life is very special, and it gives us this opportunity to 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 be self-conscious. And if we want to really churn that possibility, plumb the depths of that possibility, then the guide is very helpful, the guru. So 
what does uh, Gobinda say? Nulova manova janama satsanghe taraha e baba sindure. When you combine the dulubha manava janma, dulab manava janma, the human birth, manava janma is very rare opportunity. If you combine that with sadhu sangha, where we find our guru, then you have what you need hmm, to cross the bhava sindhu, the ocean of material existence. So what kind of time then we're living in? That's auspicious time. Hmm? Yeah. So when we speak, when these prayers, these songs speak about the Brahma Muhurta, the idea of rising early in the morning. Why are we rising? Hmm? We are rising to sing this song. He's, he's going to say, what's the fruit of that? Hmm? He's, we're coming to that. But he says, you do it at this time. You pay close attention. Sing loudly. Hmm? Why will you be doing it? Because you have a guru. And you understand the implications of this. That's hard to go to sleep over. Hmm? What's happened to me? <laughs> you think about it. You stay up at night. Hmm? You think, oh my God, what's happened to me? I remember I was standing right next to Prabhupada one morning. And he was speaking in Los Angeles. And he said, so, the guru is the, is the Kripa avatar, the incarnation, the avatar of Krishna's mercy. It just uh, hit me like a thunderbolt, like I'm standing next to the, the, the personification of Krishna's grace. Not only that, but in a very particular kind of tailor-made form. That's why there are different agencies through which this manifests, this kripa. But one of them just really works for me. So where, where will I find Krishna more than there? He's come to me there in a most concise uh, uh, and uh, um, custom form. Hmm? Pay attention there. Service there is, re- is real service rendered. So when we think about these things, as we should, we contemplate the significance of these things. We are all thoughtful people in the Western world. We're, we're troubled by the, by the rational mind. We should reason about these things. Some mananam. Hmm? Uh, some uh, some some contemplation. This is um, uh, useful. Uh, we should use our reasoning like this. Uh, this will again. This will keep us up at night. Hmm? And if not, at least get us up early in the morning. We run to sing this song hmm? during the Brahma Muhurta to. To, uh, to celebrate this, the time in which I'm living, human life in connection with Sri Guru. One of my godbrothers was sitting on the veranda of Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj. One morning he said, Guru Maharaj, I, I don't feel like I'm making any advancement. And Guru Maharaj said, not making any advancement. He said, you have a human life. He quoted this verse from Padma Purana. There are so many aquatic forms of life, reptilian forms of life, hmm? mammals and birds, and amongst them humans are the most rare. Chatulakshani, hmm? Manava. There's a, so many of these, so many of these, so many reptiles, so many aquatics, and humans are the smallest number given in that verse of Padma Purana. Implication being, as I said, oh, it's a rare form of life. So he said, you haven't made an, you don't think you're making any advancement? See the perspective that he's viewing the student from. It's a broad perspective. Hmm? You have a human life. You've come so far. We cannot relate to these long periods of time, but someone living in eternity can look at them and go, oh, you know, you've come through all these species and now you're here. And, hmm? You've come a long way. And they said, then on top of that, he said, you have a sadguru. This is a disciple of Prabhupada. You have a Sadguru. Hmm? And of course, if I was with there, I would say, and we've got you. <laughs> Such a perfect Sad Siksha Guru also. Hmm? So what, what good fortune. Vande Gurun, Chaitanya Charitamrita says, I offer my respects, Krishnadas writes, to the plurality of gurus, all those who have helped me and guided me in my life. Hmm? So, 
to be in touch with the Sadguru, then a real guru. This is this is a moment of, uh, uh, makes life uh, a, a celebration from that point on. Hmm? This is the beginning of the end. You cry if you understand this. Hmm? You really cry, tears of joy. What's happened to me? This is the end hmm? of the long, long. You get a flash of this. I've been around a long time, floundering. Hmm? Example is sometimes given. If a turtle, which has a big lungs, I guess, they can live underwater for a long time, goes underwater and the pond freezes over, but there's a little hole in the pond somewhere, hmm? and the turtle finds that hole, this is like the good fortune of finding a guru in the human form of life. This is a rare opportunity. Hmm. People think, oh, you know, they, they, wa- they want to uh, sometimes avoid the guru because, ah, you know, there's so many gurus and so much misrepresentation and so forth. This really, if we really understand it, just seeks to underscore the point. Finding a real guru is a rare thing. There will even be misrepresentations of the guru. What about that? Hmm? Should that discourage us? Not if we understand the point. Hmm? We cannot think, why need the guru? I can just, you know, it's an electronic age. I can get so many books off the internet. Uh, it used to be, well, they would be kept with the guru. You know, he'd write them on a palm leaf and you'd have to go to him to get it. So now you don't need that. You can get it electronically, digitally, you know, in your mail. Um, every morning, a verse or whatever, you can um, this you can certainly acquire a lot of information over the internet about what other sects think, how they understand that verse, and um, even in, in one sense, you collect more information than you could from the guru if he's not on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Kadev Goswami was not not on the internet, and then nobody else. So they all gathered it not at. Uh, at the, at the, along the bank of the Ganges, and there was another system, so to speak, that, that uh, brought Sukadeva onto the scene to answer the, the, the question, the pertinent question, which is all, all of our question, the question of the Raj Parikshit, what to do at the time of death. Hmm? This was his question when he knew he was, he was going to die in seven days. So everyone assembled to weigh in on that, and the boy Sukadeva appeared out of nowhere. Hmm? So our earnestness, this will bring the information that we need, actually. Hmm? And what information do we need? We need information. We need some information about our necessity. Hmm? We may have a necessity. The measure of our necessity is greater than we can uh, even understand. Hmm? No, we cannot replace the principle of the guru with an with the Internet, for example, <laughs> and the gathering of information. Hmm? If you understand the concept, it's a whole different idea of knowing. As I said often, we're used to gathering knowledge and putting it out our, on our agenda to enhance our agenda. But the knowledge coming from Guru Parampara is alive. It has an agenda of its own. And if we listen carefully from a good source, we realize we're on that agenda. It's a whole different way. We, we're used to looking at matter in terms of being the subject, matters the object, which we can use for our purpose, and suddenly we turn another direction, we find we're to be used for a purpose. And the wonderful thing about that, ominous as it sounds, hmm, is that the purpose is far greater than we could have possibly conceived with our minds. What is what, what is bhakti? What is bhava? What is prema? Hmm? What, possi- what possibilities? I mean, you cannot... uh, even as well as it's been thought out theologically, only through this one Guru Parampara, Godi Guru Parampara, can you find out about this possibility hmm? of intimacy with the Godhead. It's not talked about anywhere. Hmm? This is a a speciality of Godi Vaishnava Guru Parampara. Golokeru Premodhan Harinam Sankirtan Mahaprabhu brought the wealth of Prem, of Golok, Prem Prayojan. Hmm? 
this is a unique contribution to the religious world, what Gaudiya Vaishnavism speaks about. Whether it's the best or not, you decide, but it's unique. It's talking about, uh, if you want to get close to God, there's no way that's uh, spoken about, that, uh, that uh, articulated, that you could get, uh, that, that, that speaks about it comparatively, uh, a, a, a greater closeness to God. Hmm? As I said, this uh, the tiny here we are a tiny atomic particle of consciousness. God is the reservoir of consciousness. It's a possibility that the, the tiny particle will make the, the the whole like like his friend, hmm? like his like its lover subjugated actually by the power of bhakti, which is the generous kind of dispensation of Bhagavan. His outreach to us. And it comes through this Gaudiya Guru Parampara. So this is an extraordinary um, idea, possibility that uh, has come. We've uh, come before us, an opportunity. Hmm? We should rise early in the morning for this. The idea of this early morning thing, again, is what? Is it the night, the long night of your material sojourn, the darkness as it's compared to of ignorance, it's ending. Hmm? This is the idea. This, we've met our guru hmm? and the long night of material ignorance and the suffering that, that goes with that based on a, a, a attachment, it's all coming to an end. This is the beginning of the end of that. Aratri, hmm? we should have then arati, the end of night. We shine a light on, on, on the Godhead, the Murti, who's, who's the very heart of the guru who manifested the temple, hmm? put his heart on the altar in the form of the deity and said, you come see my heart here. Hmm? Put a light on that early in the morning. Check every part. Hmm? You know, this is before electricity that these <laughs> little arty ceremonies started and it's nicer too. Hmm? Being a light, light all the lamps, ghee lamp and shine the whole, look over the whole, uh, study the Lord very carefully early in the morning hmm? and sing this song praise of the guru by which I make this connection by which I could know about this by which I could be in the temple hmm? by which I have the sense to bow down before the deity and so forth God is more in the guru than in than in the deity hmm? Krishna says what that those who say my devotee they are not my devotee those who say they are devotee of my devotee they are my devotee hmm? So Srimad Guru Rastakometa Duchai Brahme Mahurte. Brahme Mahurte Patati Prayatnat. In the Brahma Mahurte we should chant loudly and pay close attention. Yastena Brindabana Nata Sakshad Seva Ivalabhya Janasundeva. He says, What will be the result of this then? Why we should do it, we've explained. And what will be and what will be the result? Then even we get even more reason now why we should do that. Because the end of the long night of material existence, the dark night of the soul, that's like the night of Brahma times a million, times a million and eight, and you know, with no beginning. These Vedic ideas are long, long periods of time. Hmm? Long, 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 dark, dark night of the soul, thinking that uh, not, un- not understanding itself or that it has... It's what it's part of and so forth. This is darkness. That's coming to an end. Hmm? That's bright in itself, but that's not the end. This is the idea of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So he says, what? That, that the ending of that darkness, this is just like the rays of the sun of praying. Hmm? When you put out the darkness, then you stand in the light. And what is that? that light. Hmm? If you're in a cave and you don't know what light is, then somebody knocks a little, chips a little hole in the cave and a ray comes and you say, this is light. Hmm? Sometimes the Upanishads talk about Brahman like this. It's, it's like this. Hmm? So you get some idea, but, but what does that they really say about light? The sun is, because of the sun we have vegetation, food, uh, mental, you know, Happiness, isn't it? Makes the mind happy. Hmm? 
what what can a ray say in a cave about the totality of the experience of the sun? But it says this, it ends darkness. This cave's dark. You can't even see what's in it, <laughs> practically. So the ray of light, darkness is ended. Now, follow the ray. Come out. What is a life outside the cave? You've lived in a cave your whole life, never seen the outside world. What will that be? When you come, well, how could you how could you explain that to someone? I want to tell you what's going on out there, and you start to talk about it. The person only knows darkness and the clammy, cold moisture of of the cave and what could be eaten in there, if anything. And you're going to tell him about the world outside. He has no frame of reference. You crack a little hole, so you don't want him to pass out when he comes out. <laughs> it's, it's like this. It's the end of darkness. You see. Hmm? So the Upanishads, they talk about Brahman like that. Hmm? It's some basic idea. It's, uh, but we go on from there to the Bhagavatam. The whole light, the whole sun of Brahma is described. When he, when he gets over the darkness, he starts to like the light, then he comes out and he finds... You can't even, it's beyond speech what it is. The world, the vegetation, fauna, fruits and flowers and... Hmm? Rain. <laughs> it's just un- unbelievable. How could you, you know, you can, couldn't possibly describe it. So it's such as the nature of praying, we try to say something about it. But mostly we we get inspired by someone who's, who's, who's had some experience of these things. Hmm? That is the guru. And so Krishvanatakuri Thakur says, if we chant loud in the morning, we pay attention during this Brahma Muhurta, then... You will love You will attain. Hmm? He says, Vrindavananath Sakshad. That's very nice. He says, you will directly attain Vrindavananath. Vrindavan means the, the forest of Vrinda, the, 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 the idyllic land of Krishna. And Krishna is the Nath, the lord of that place. Hmm? He is the deity, presiding deity. Sometimes we say, Vrindavaneshwari, that's another thing. But in the general sense, <laughs> that's more particular Gaudiya idea, but in the general sense. And she will say it, he's the Lord. So we follow her in that sense too. Vrindavanath Sakshati. So you will directly attain Vrindavanath. Sebai Labya. Labya means that you will attain. You will directly attain the service. He says Sebai Labya. You will directly attain the service. You will not attain him without service. Hmm? It is a land of service. It's important to say that because it doesn't look like a land of service. In fact, Mother Yasoda is chasing that boy, Krishna, tying him up. Hmm? His friends are sometimes wrestling him to the ground and defeating him. Sometimes he's sulking. Why Radha will not let me in? Into her circle. So who's serving? <laughs> so, but love reaches a point like this. Hmm? The basis is all service, but it, it, it's distilled and thickened and, and, and such. It takes the form of friendship, hmm? where there's equality. Krishna's friends, they, sometimes they serve him, sometimes he serves them. Hmm? This is the standard of Sakirasa. Therefore, therefore, in Vaikuntha, they, they don't know about this. They think, what is that? They hear about that, they think, this is offensive. <laughs> you think that you take service from Narayan? Never. Hmm? So this is a very special place. Hmm? He says, but it is the underlying reality. It's all this all a serving attitude. It, it, it's condensed. It takes the shape hmm? as a friend, as a lover, as a parent. So you will attain directly. Directly means what? Here we've, the whole song is about the guru. The song ended, yasya prasada, bhagavat prasado, yasya prasada nagati kutuk. Without satisfying the guru, you cannot satisfy Krishna. Hmm? The point is what? Directly meeting Krishna in the context of service. Hmm? That is accomplished through serving the guru. There is no more direct route to meeting Krishna. If you think, well, I want to go the direct route. I don't want to, like the gurus kind of getting in the way here. I would like to go to, and a lot of people think like that. They want to do away with this idea. 
Pujipachitamarsh once gave the idea of a telescope. So the telescope is made up of so many lenses. The small one is here, and like your eye, and then it gets larger and larger. So if you give a person a telescope and you say, look through the small one, says, why should I look through the small one? There's a big one on the other end. I look through the big one. Then I will see more. And you just get a headache from that. Hmm? So sometimes you know, the guru is close to us, so he or she has uh, their, their humanness as well. You may think, I'd like to go to the other guru, his guru. That was a big one. Hmm? Because he's passed on, everybody's celebrated now, you know, he's, he's the greatest, and, and so on. Or the one before that. Or the one before that. And he's got so many books. And now what about just Krishna himself? Hmm? <laughs> so the point he's making, Vishnachavati Thakur, is the guru is not getting in the way of Krishna. Hmm? That smallness, that of the small lens, as I say, with all his or her humanness and so forth, this is the, this is the way in which he comes very close to you. Hmm? Krishna's coming in a custom way, just close to you. Hmm? This is the small, what does they say? Zen? Big is small or small is big? Small is big. This is the idea. That small lens is the big lens. In other words, that package in which Krishna has come to us, that, that, that we should pay attention there. They will get the most. There we'll see all the way into the details of the stars. In, 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 in the sky. So he says, no, you will directly experience Krishna this way. Pujapachitamarsh once called me aside. He said, Vaishnavism is indirect. He said, first there is the Vaishnava. Vaishnava das on das. First there is the Vaishnava. First there is Krishna. He said, then there is the Vaishnava who serves Krishna. Vaishnava das. Then there is the servant of the Vaishnava. Vaishnava das anudas. That's the fourth one. So the servant of the servant of the Vaishnava servant who's serving Krishna. He said, that's four. Our position is the fifth. We should take that. <coughs> He's saying to me, the more you go in that direction, the closer you come. Hmm? The closer you get. Hmm? The more we develop the serving attitude, say, Vaivalabhya Janasam Deva. He said, that you the more direct your experience will be. Prabhupada used to give an example of the window, through the window you see outside. It's a nice example to play it out a little further. When you look at the window, you only see outside. Hmm? But you're also protected from the outside. Isn't it? You think, well, I need to be protected from God? Yeah, actually you do. (laughs) A little bit. It's a little bit, you know, overkill. It can be too much. You got to get it in, in, in piecemeal. Everything can't be told at once and so forth. Just like the fire, and it said sometimes the guru is compared to the fire. You can't get too close either. You might get burned, but you can't stay far away because you won't get warm or you won't be able to cook anything. Hmm? So, so uh, he said, anyway, direct, the direct experience is through the indirect, as it would appear, approach. And he says what? It means you'll get a form hmm? to serve Krishna. Hmm? And it was at the end, unta, of what is birth, which is birth. Whoever is born, what happens to them? They die, Gita says. Whoever dies, what happens to them? They're born again. This is the end of that stuff. End of birth and death. You have one more birth. You'll be born from a gopi <laughs> in Vrindavan as a gopi or a gopa <coughs> and have a form just like Krishna's. Form made of bhavarupa. In that form, then you can serve him eternally. And this is all a result, what? Of chanting this Guruvastakam, paying attention during the Brahma Muhurta. So, in this way, Vishwanathakri Thakur has tried to encourage us that what he's written there is, has great spiritual wealth. It should be taken advantage of. And many people have taken him very seriously. As I said, this Astakam of, of Vishwanathakri Thakur is widely 
chanted throughout the entire Gaudiya Sampradaya with all of its different sects and so forth. Hmm? I'll tell you a short story to conclude with. There was a young boy who had little interest in spiritual life, used to come to Gaudiya Math, the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. It was back in the 1920s and 30s and, and earlier. And um, so he visited the Math and he heard this song and he heard the false dutta, this last uh, verse. And he thought, wow, that's, he understood what we're talking about here. Hmm? And so he thought, if I just, during the Brahma Muharta, I pay attention to this song and sing it loudly, all this is going to come to me. This is the whole, this is it. This is the one, you know, do this one thing and it'll all happen. So he had faith in that. Hmm? And so he lived a little distance from the moth. It was er, difficult for him to get up in the morning and, and, and walk that far, hmm? and so he would, he would, he had a some like kids' job, you know, young boys' job. This is a young boy, so he would come to the moth at night and sleep there. And the devotees would let him sleep, and so he would wake up in the morning at the moth, and then he could hear the song, and then he would go home. So after some time, he's doing this for you know a while, and the devotees. The, the manager of the temple said, no, this guy's not doing anything. He just come here to sleep. <laughs> you know, we're not providing a place for people to come and sleep. Mm-hmm. And so he he, come, he he brought it up to Gurudev's attention, Bhaktisiddhanta Sosti Thakur, this boy's coming here just to sleep. He's not doing any service. He comes, he sleeps, and he gets up in the morning and goes home. Or wherever he goes, goes to work or whatever. And so Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, bring him to me. Hmm? So the boy came, and uh, Jyoti Shekhar was his name. He said, uh, so why are you coming here? Why are you sleeping here? Hmm? And the boy said, well, because I heard this song, and I heard this, this, this last verse. I understood the meaning <laughs> of the last verse. So, and I live far away, so I come and I sleep here at night so that I can be here in the morning. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur was so pleased to hear that you can imagine. He said, he said, you should also do a little service when you come. <laughs> you stay a little longer. I'll give you a job. Hmm. He said, you can take this magazine, Gaudiya Prakash. This is a daily magazine, Gaudiya Prakash, the light of Gaudiya. It was published for 16 years, a daily magazine. Hmm. There was a fellow in the government, who, or, or businessman, I forget, he complained he, to Bhaktisiddhanta, he, he made a question, posed a question, how can you present, present a magazine about God every day? Isn't it a little over the top? Every day? And Saraswati Thakur replied that, oh, in every city you've got two, three newspapers speaking about the ordinary affairs of this world. Hmm? That's nothing compared to what goes on in the spiritual world. This is the sleeping condition of the soul. All the material activities that you're reporting in the news just constitute the dormant sleeping activities of the soul. The soul's asleep to itself and all this is going on. He said, we could publish a newspaper every minute about Goloka. But the problem is there's no customers. The customer base is limited. <laughs> We're just doing it daily. <laughs> so anyway, he sent the boy. I said, you go out and sell the magazine at the train station. Hmm? We have 20 subscribers now. This is the beginning of the mission. <laughs> we have 20 subscribers. You go and sell the magazine at the train station. And if you get 100, 100, 100 subscribers, I'll buy you a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> Because he had to walk, you know, and then he wouldn't have to sleep over. He could take his bike in the morning, you know, he could sleep at home. <laughs> and so after some time, the boy got the hundreds, hundred uh, subscribers, and Bhakti Siddhanta bought him not only a bicycle, but an English bicycle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. made in England. <laughs> so there's something, it's a nice story, the tender heart of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Arnita Sundar wrote a nice article about him on his appearance day sometimes called the lion guru, like was very heavy and so forth. And sometimes people try to imitate him by being, being really heavy, but they don't have the soft heart of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. They want, they want to kick everybody out because they're not following strictly enough and so forth. See his reaction. This guy's only sleeping here. Bring him to me. He must be here. Krishna must have sent him here. Hmm? He must have come here for some, by the transcendental arrangement for some higher reason. What is this Sukriti? What... Uh, he became a, uh, a disciple of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, all on the basis of his faith, just in this one verse. And that meant he went to the Paravyam. So, Vishwana Chakvarita Thakur Gurvastakam Ki Jai.
श्री गुरुदेव की जाय और भक्तवृंद की जाय बहुत प्रेमानंद Thank you again for all coming. It's very nice to have you here and all these things would not have been the same, you know, we talked about if you had not been here with your inquiring earnest hearts, you know, fifth percent of the equation of whatever whatever comes down, so to speak. So I very much appreciate your uh, both your questioning spirit and your lack of questions, which probably to say indicates we agree. <laughs> no questions. We agree. <laughs> so I see you in the morning, right? <laughs> early, early in the morning. But um, I have a couple questions. So my question is, how old are you now? You've grown so much. Ten, Ten huh? Oh. Yeah. Nice to have you here again. Hmm? And you? Eight. Eight and ten. Okay. Hmm. And is that Bhakti we know then? Your first time coming here, right? Yes, Maharaj. Nice of you to come. Thank you. Yeah. Did you come alone? Uh, my son and my uh, son. Son? My son and his friends. And his friends. And my son also. My friend, too. Yeah, uh, all of our friends. Yeah, we're friends. Nice to meet you. Thank you for coming. Much appreciated. So, all right, then we, what's next? Guru Puja, then Artik, and Mahaprasad. Si Guru Vastakam ki jai, si Vyasa Puja ki jai, Gaur Premanande. Haribo.